Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. The Thunder is finally back home after spending five days, no, five games, 11 yeah. days. There we go. 5,000 miles, four time zone changes away from Paycom Center. So it's a little bit of a welcome sight to be back in Oklahoma City. I tell you what, it felt great to be inside Paycom Center. Yeah. You know, you just... You got all your creature comforts. Also, this building is so glammed up for the holidays, and it's just, it's uh, a really great feeling to see all of those familiar faces yep. and um, to be kind of in our normal spaces the way that we, we are. And mm -hmm. I mean, you're up there on the concourse for Thunder Live. Yep. <laughs> I'm kind of doing my normal thing and routine. And then, you know, we get to do our walkout and uh, walk straight to our cars and go home instead of onto a bus and then to some airport somewhere and then onto the next city. You don't think about how much time you spend doing those things, yeah. whether that's, you know, packing before you leave the hotel or getting onto a flight or, you know, getting on the bus to go to the arena. Like those things when you don't have to do it, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. So much more time for activities right now. Well, that was the amazing thing about this trip, which I can't recall in my time here in OKC, 12 years, that we had a trip uh, of that length that we came home in the middle of it. Right, so you're kind right. of continuing to live out of your suitcase for 36 hours before uh -huh. you get back on a flight uh -huh. to go out on the road. So that was kind of a new experience and, and always fun that, you know, um, even as the years kind of roll by, you continue to pick up these new different experiences yep. that you might have never had before in the NBA and um, kind of get to share that journey from the player's perspective, you know, as our jobs is yeah. to kind of relay what's going on with them and how are they experiencing all of this. I did do one load of laundry while I was home. You. I did get yeah. a chance to do that in the, what, how many hours was it? Was it 36 total? I think it was about 36 yeah, hours. 36 hours, we one load of laundry. Yeah. I think that's yeah. I think a solid rate right there. Okay, so we've got to catch you up on the road trip because the last time we podcasted was back in Memphis with our good friend J-Dub. And the Thunders played a lot of games since then. A yeah. lot has happened. So let's let's recap a little bit of what happened on that road trip. Namely, with that Memphis game that on that trip, the Thunder, they, they kind of lost a little bit of steam there in mm -hmm. the second half. Memphis really ran away with that ball game. But the Thunder, like, they, they take from these experiences and they just move forward. They add to the next one. And in this Cleveland game, they went up against a team who was going to, you know, get a lot of shots up. They're pretty solid defensively and they fought in that game for, for a good portion of it. Yeah. You, I think you could actually tell that that day at home when we were just joking about it actually <laughs> did kind of recharge the batteries for the yeah. Thunder because OKC kind of ran out of gas in that second half against Memphis. Yeah. That was the end of that three game swing on the road. Mm -hmm. You'd already played two high quality teams in Minnesota and Atlanta. And then, you know, John Morant, Memphis, they're able to kind of run away with things in the second half. The Thunder, this young Thunder team comes home. Yep. They recharge the batteries, as I said, and then go to Cleveland. And between Poku and Josh Giddy and everybody on that Thunder roster, um, you played a physical brand of basketball against perhaps the most physically imposing front yeah. line in the NBA when you think about Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And those two guys in particular, Poku and Josh, really held held their own mm -hmm. uh, and made it a tight game down the wire. Combined for 27 rebounds, Poku had 10 mm -hmm. in the first half, which was incredible by him. And you could really tell that they were they were leaning into the physical mindset that they needed to have going up against Cleveland. Yeah, and Mark Degnault said that that was probably the greatest 
competition game that Josh mm-hmm. Giddy has had in his young career. I mean, just remember, he's only played in 78 total games. He hasn't even right. gotten a full NBA season under his belt. You think about a guy like Shea Gotis-Alexander, he played 82 games as a rookie. Yeah. So Josh still kind of um, at the very, very outset of his career. Yep. So, um, But to see him um, kind of rise to that level mm-hmm. from a physicality competition standpoint, and Josh said, hey, I felt it. I actually did feel a difference in the yeah. way that I competed out there. And I think he's carried that over, frankly, to the game in Dallas and to the game um, back here against Miami uh, last night that we'll definitely get to. Yeah. But um, good to see Josh kind of delivering that punch and the Thunder doing the same thing. Let's let's talk about these next couple of games because the Cleveland game, it was kind of a clash of styles, right? Mm-hmm. Cleveland's a team that plays really slow. They're tied for the slowest pace in all of the NBA. The Thunder, on the other end of the spectrum, top five in the league in pace. And so there was like a clash of styles there. The Thunder really had to try to fight to play to their identity. Yeah. They got to that a little bit in the Cleveland game, but not nearly enough to, to take the win, obviously, or, or really take command of the game. Dallas was a very similar sort of game where they play slow. Luca's a, a guy who's going to like kind of slow down the pace. They're going to get a lot of threes up. Yes, That's they exactly what they did in that game. Meanwhile, the Thunder, a team that wants to play fast and get to the rim. So you had two different kind of ball. You had two very similar kind of ball games where you're going up against a team that is polar opposite of you in terms of style, and it's up to you to impose your will. Yeah, a major theme really across the road trip and these last games, as you're saying, is basically um, this arm wrestling match between the two (laughs) teams of like who is going to impose their will and impose their style on the game. Mm -hmm. And players kind of to a T told us after that Cleveland game, that was a great lesson in you let the other team kind of control the game Mm -hmm. and the pace of the game for too long, and that made... You know, when the opportunity came for the yeah. Thunder to land its haymaker, um, it just wasn't quite big enough and quite sustained enough and long enough mm-hmm. to overcome what we were allowed to do on the other end of the floor. And kind of similar goes for what happened in Dallas where you know, the Mavs just ripped off an incredible right. string of three-pointers in that second quarter. Now the Thunder responded and gave itself another chance down the stretch in, in that game. But ultimately, um, Dallas was able to make the plays down the stretch in that game and, um, you know, the Thunders made some adjustments on defense that we'll talk about as well. That definitely um, was an interesting sign, uh, but also a good one that they were able to make an adjustment in the in the game. Do you want to go ahead and talk about it? We can sure. certainly yeah. get into it because okay. I think yeah. it, I think it's a a good theme for this this group and something that their their in game adjustments are mm-hmm. something that have kind of shined through as being the youngest team in the NBA, and yet you're able to course correct throughout the night and make adjustments on the fly, that's a really encouraging sign. And defensively, especially against Dallas, that switching that they were able to get to really started to cause some disruption and much-needed disruption against the Dallas teams that was that was shooting the lights out. Yeah, and that's not something that the Thunder has been doing a lot of this season, which is why I said it was kind of interesting that they mm-hmm. made this choice because typically the Thunder is, you know, focused on doubling down on its identity and the way that it wants to play that coverage based mm-hmm. approach on defense so that it can kind of keep the matchups that they want to keep. Um, just given the way that Dallas was sort of breaking that defense with its shot making, the Thunder assumed that, you know, that shot making was going to come back down to earth like it should. And over the course of the game, it really, it wasn't. And so yeah. you got to do something to break that rhythm, break that routine. And the Thunder was able to do that on the fly and change to that switch heavy defense. And, Look, you go smaller, you put Eugene yeah. Amarui in the game, you, you're able to get like-on-like size switches, mm-hmm. and you just trust your guys to play one-on-one yeah. defense and get stops. 
that happened for a good portion of that second half. Ultimately, though, some shot making did get into the yeah. mix down there in the stretch. Yeah, the Thunder fell short in Dallas, and it was it was so interesting talking to J Dub about this switching. Mm-hmm. I I just thought it was so funny because you asked him. I think it was like you know how do you how do you what's your mentality like going? Yeah. How are you able to adjust in game like that? And he was like, you, you get kind of used to it because in AAU, like yeah. you go out there and you just kind of do whatever, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> defend the other team, which is so true. That is so yeah. accurate. And so the the mentality is there to recognize, okay, we're gonna have to switch things up, and I'm gonna have to do some things on the fly to to make some adjustments. But I just thought it was so funny the analogy that he made right well, there. Well, and it's also hilarious, and I think it goes to just show the youth of like guys at this stage of sort of the thunder arc are yeah. referring back to their AAU <laughs> days of like, yeah. this is the experience that I have doing this. And, you know, once this team yeah. matures and moves forward, you'll hear them talk about, well, you know, back in my third year or back in right. my second Early year, we NBA really, years. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, I think about some of the the more veteran teams that um, I covered over the course of time. And, you know, you'd hear Nick Collison talk about playoff series from years ago, a decade ago that, you know, were provided some lessons or um, maybe some perspective on how the game had changed from that portion of time. So um, it just goes to show. And I think I I mentioned this on the Bally Sports broadcast, but um, we're in this amazing stretch right now where the Thunder has 88 consecutive games where at least 60 points have come from players who are 24 years and younger. So Mm-hmm. Not only continuity, but youth at the same time, which is very difficult to get yeah. to have that sustained stretch of being so young, but having that much production from your youth yeah. and continuity from your youth. So um, we're gonna. There's some time still to go where we have this uh, phase of the team that might be referring back to AAU and college days as their experience. But it also speaks to yeah. the experience that these yeah. guys are getting at such a young age, right. right? The fact that so many guys, 24 or younger, are producing that much yeah. you know points and just production in general out there on the floor that's experience that not a lot of young 20 year olds in the league are getting if they're on these older more veteran teams yeah and we're seeing a surge of starts for J-Dub yeah. Jalen Williams he's top four among all rookies in um, points generated by himself or through assists and, and in the top five um, in points assists rebounds among mm-hmm. rookies as well yeah and if we're also going to talk about the Dallas game, we yeah. ought to talk about our guy, Shea Gildas Alexander, who yeah. tied his career high in points with 42, which is the third time in his career that he has hit this 42-point mark. Big Jackie Robinson fan, maybe? You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah just hitting know that 42 number, yeah. he loves it. Yeah. yeah, and it's not yeah. like he left anything to yeah. be desired at yeah. the free throw line. The man went a perfect 13 for 13 <laughs> right. there. So just incredible work by Shea. And it, he continues to do this thing where he gets out really strong mm-hmm. in first quarters. I forget the exact number, but he has had so many first quarters this season where he scored double digits and right out yeah. of the gates. Third quarters as well. He's really strong there as well. And so we're seeing him score consistently throughout games, find ways, even when teams are throwing the kitchen sink at him to slow him down, he's able to produce. Yeah, 10 or more in the first quarter in seven of his last nine games. There it is. 35 quarters this season that he scored at least double figures, Mm -hmm. and uh, he racked up three of them in Dallas, three of of those double-digit quarters in Dallas. That's very hard to do, and he was extremely efficient. He was only 23 shots Mm -hmm. to get those 42 points. I mean, that just helps your offense thrive when you're getting that that type of production from that guy. Definitely, and his teammates have talked so much about how it's it's really empowering to play with Mm -hmm. Shea because he's not a guy who's going to dribble the ball into the ground. He's not just looking for his. He's looking for what's best for the offense in that moment, and whether that's him getting to the rim or 
getting into the paint and starting the blender offensively, getting the ball moving, kicking it out to a guy like Isaiah Joe for a three. It's just really empowering to play with a guy like it him. Provides, he provides space. Yeah. And that doesn't mean our typical concept of spacing on an NBA court. Mm-hmm. That's more like metaphysical space, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like this feeling of space yeah. that you have of like, okay, you know, if I'm Trey Mann and I want to get to my step back three on the possession, yeah. like, Shea's not going to be thinking twice about, hey, uh-huh. well, why didn't I get that extra touch? Or, um, you know, Shea mm-hmm. just getting off the ball early when teams are double teaming him. It just all of those things that are such like a pressure release valve yeah. on your offense that um, in the hands of maybe somebody else, a different human being, it might be a lot more like of a stranglehold on yeah. the offense. And it's just not that way at all, which makes it feel so easy. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so a lot, a lot of freedom, yes. space, yeah. freedom, empowerment that comes from from playing with a guy like Shea. No doubt. All right. So that was a recap of the Thunder's long road trip. We're going to take a short break here, but don't go anywhere because we got a pretty long homestand that we got to talk about right after this. Coop Works is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites, F5 IPA and 99 Calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLWorks.com. So the Thunder just got back from the longest road trip of the season. That was five games away from Paycom Center. And immediately after that, they are rewarded with seven straight games at home. That is a 14-day span and the longest homestand in OKC history. What a glorious time of the year. Yeah, right around the holidays, too. Yes. I will take this. this I will take incredible. that trade-off any day of the week. Um yeah, so really fun to be back. And, and what a matchup for yeah. the Thunder fans to see in this building last night that c- game comes down to the wire. Two massive scoring runs, a 20-2 to two run by Miami and then a 22-3 to three run by the Thunder um, in the, that, that spanned halftime. So um, pretty fascinating. And uh, we were just talking about Shea right yeah. before the break. And I just thought uh, something that Eric Spolstra said, the Miami Heat head coach, probably going to be a hall of famer someday. He he was asked about Shea before the game and he said, you know, I really don't think Shea is doing anything differently than he has last year or the year before. It's he's just more productive, more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still the relentless downhill attacker. Uh, the thing that he's noticed that has maybe improved is just the endurance, um, the, yeah. the ability for Shea to take on these different defenses, these different opponents, these different individual high-level defenders night after night after night and to be consistent. And that's really, I mean, that's the growth and development process that the Thunder is intent on with every single one of its players. It's identifying a true style of play, mm-hmm. honing in on that, and then becoming consistent at it and relentless at it. And Shea is really a product of that time that he's had here in OKC. Every single year we've seen Shea come back from the summer, he's a, added more tools to his toolkit, mm-hmm. right? Something else to his tool bag. But his, he, he works on his body so yeah. much because he understands that his body has to withstand, A, if you're going to attack to the rim that mm-hmm. much, you got to be able to withstand some hits and some falls to the ground, which he's done a great job of. But also just physically and just con- conditioning-wise yeah. to be able to – 
hit the gas every single time you're coming down the floor. He's done a great job of kind of like understanding the details and nuance of what your your body requires yeah. to be able to do all of that. Yeah, and I think knowing yourself is one of yeah. your biggest assets. We've seen that from Josh Giddy over these last few games of he's truly tapped into that identity yeah. in the Miami game. He had an incredible 1911-7 stat line. I mean, mm-hmm. the points came to him naturally through the offense. He's just the way that he plays, the way that he gets the blender going, the ball is going to get back to him. Yep. He's not hunting out scoring opportunities. And, and I just found this fascinating. I mentioned earlier, 78 career games for him. In 39 of them, so half of those games, he's had a stat line of at least five, five, and five. Incredible. To be that consistent yeah. on the on uh, different facets of the game as such a young player, the guy's 20 years old, is sensational. And it's exactly what you're talking about of recognizing your style of yeah. play, your identity as a player, and sticking to it, right? That is, that's Josh's fastball is... I can affect the game on multiple levels, right? right. I'm going to get this rebound and start the break. That's my bread and butter. I am six foot eight. I can get this rebound. And if, if me as the guard can start this break right now, we're already at an advantage offensively because the ball's ahead of the defense. I don't have to wait for an outlet pass. I can go ahead and get up the floor and start finding some, some options on the other end. And he's done a great job of leaning into that. And we've heard from Coach Dagnall so many times that Josh is at his best when he's able to ignite the offense, right? Like he's he's kind of the catalyst of the thunder speed because yeah. of that ability to get the rebound and just start the break himself. Well, and how about the maturity and the humility to recognize like I don't need to prove anything to anybody I don't need yeah. to prove that I'm a 40 per 40 point scorer right you know that I can go and do that or that I right. need to hit six threes in a game or do whatever like Paris from a player's perspective what is that like to be able to not necessarily accept that but lean into that and to say like I don't need this mm-hmm. other stuff like I can be myself and I can and I'm happy being myself and I don't have to chase something that maybe you know other people are outside noises yeah. might say like, this is what you should be going after. It's like the biggest thing is blocking out outside. Yeah. Right. And I think the Thunder does a fantastic job of that where they are just so focused within their four walls and the four lines of their team. Like they're, they're not worried about anything else, external expectations or external, you know, perception. Yeah. And that's so ki- critical and key to, player success in general because you have so much to think about anyway right like you got to think about how to make your teammates better how to make sure your team succeed you got to flush a loss or you have to flush a bad game there's already so much that you have to navigate as a player if you add on top of that well i they don't think i can do this somebody else yeah Yeah. (laughs) well then now you're like bogging yourself down and as a player you have to be clear-minded while you're out there and like you you see it all the time guys overthinking plays or Mm -hmm. you know at the free throw line and now it's late game and yeah. I'm thinking about what if I miss the best players are the ones who can clear their mind and just play. That's been a pretty solid hallmark here in OKC of uh, players telling us, Hey, the only thing I care about is whether my teammates and the coaches yeah. feel like I'm doing my job the way that I'm supposed to be doing it. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, that's great maturity and it's great uh, vision about what's important. Exactly. And so the Thunder, they they showed a lot of resolve mm-hmm. in this game against yeah. Miami. They were down 21 points in the first half. And you talked about the run that Miami went on yeah. in that first half. It was just absolutely in, in, insane, honestly, because they got 16 threes in that mm-hmm. first half, mm-hmm. which was a, a record for them and the most by an NBA team this season. But the Thunder, again, flushing out all of the outside noise, flushing out that first half. They came out in the third quarter and just 
hit them with a punch, a haymaker, took their own lead, came back, bounced back, and it started with, obviously, the defensive end getting stopped, slowing down the three-point shot. Tyler Hero was kind of mute in the third quarter, yeah. and that allowed the Thunder to start chipping away. And they they played to their identity this entire time. They weren't trying to match Miami shot for shot right. on three-pointers. As a matter of fact, the Thunder was plus 40 on points in the paint in this game. Yeah, they got 60 points in the paint against a team that's typically only allowing about 44, the best paint defense in the NBA yeah. in Miami. And, and on a, before that 10-0 run that the Thunder had mm-hmm. coming out of the, the halftime locker room, it was a sneaky 12-3 to burst yeah. right before the half that really helped turn the tide. And that's something I felt like that was a big sign of growth for this Thunder team because we've seen OKC come out of – the locker room and play completely differently and better in that third quarter. But this was done on their own Mm -hmm. on the floor without that help at halftime, without um, seeing the tape, seeing, um, you know, getting, getting like some pointers from the coaching staff, they were able to course correct within the flow of the game, either from timeouts uh, or just, you know, being able to, to kind of, as we've talked about that arm wrestling, being able to actually push the arm down <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the game. And, and that's really impressive to do for such a young squad. And um, and then they did what they do in third quarters. I mean, this is now the sixth time, um, excuse me, fifth time that they've outscored their opponent by 10 or more in yeah. a third quarter. Best third quarter scoring, best third quarter Margin. Uh, point differential. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Thunder, just so much resolve. We've seen it time and time and time again. And... If you want to add another element to how the Thunder identity shined through in this game, all five starters scoring yeah. in double figures for the sixth time That's this season. That's what they did for the sixth time. There yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, think that yeah, was the sixth yeah. time that they've done that this yeah. season. So you get contributions from all over the floor, up and down the roster, ultimately falling short, just short at the end. And it was really like, it could have gone either way. Yeah. Tyler Hero hits a big time bucket and Aaron Wiggins did everything he could defensively and it was just like great defense just a just a better shot 19 foot pull-up jumper i mean contested for, yeah the analytics say like that's a 35 percent right shot you know something like that i'm, I'm fudging the statistic but sure. it's, it's somewhere around there yeah and you'll take that any day of course and now of course hero great player yeah. knocks down the shot okc Goes up, has to go up against a set defense inside of five seconds mm-hmm. um, on two opportunities on sideline out of bounds plays. I mean, and great, you, great looks that you get. I yeah. mean, you had a cutting Lou Dort, incredible play by Caleb Martin to get a hand in there mm-hmm. and um, deflect that out. Now the Thunder's got to inbound it again. You get the ball to Shea. I mean, how often do we see Shea get his shot blocked? Almost never. I know. Yeah. And then Josh actually, hus- you know, great hustle to even Gets the get back board. in the play. Yeah. yeah. So. He had three cracks at it, and, mm-hmm. you know, those are the breaks. I mean, yeah. that's, as Mark Dagnall would say, that is the cost of competition. That is the price <laughs> yes, of admission. You exactly. Know? Um, sometimes those things are not going to go your way. Sometimes you're going to get the Shea step back game winner in, exactly. in Washington. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like one of those mystery airheads. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> and, not the mystery airhead. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's cherry, sometimes it's green apple. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You got to take what comes yeah, to you, yeah. and that's just the price that <laughs> yeah. you pay. But the Thunder now has to turn the page because if you're looking down the line here, six more games inside of Paycom Center, and all against tough opponents. They're going to have to bring their A game, namely 
the Minnesota Timberwolves are coming That's on right. Friday, which is also a city night. So you yes. you got to come to Paycom Center. You got to see the city edition uniforms. And if if you want, you can kind of like deck yourself out in the city edition uniform yeah. colors a little bit. Or you can definitely go to Thunder Shop. You can go to the Thunder Shop. Get all of your threads there. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. So let's take a look about what's on tap for this group. The Thunder is still in the midst of holiday assists. Yes. So there are going to be a lot of holiday assist events around Oklahoma City. So keep your eyes peeled. You might see them in your neighborhood. You know, you never know. You never yeah. know. But always keep it locked on OKCThunder.com and at OKCThunder on all social channels to keep up with where the Thunder is and what holiday assist event is happening around Oklahoma City. And as I've been mentioning this entire in podcast, because I'm so excited about it, this seven-game homestand, yeah. it continues on Friday. The Thunder takes on the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then that's the first night of a back-to-back, actually. Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday and turn around back at Paycom Center on Saturday once again. Yeah, it should be great. And I just want to make a point about the the holiday assist. 15 straight yeah. years of giving back in this way. You think about two years that were completely blown up by the pandemic, but the Thunder still was out there doing as much as they possibly could, even though players kind of had to be sheltered from that um, in order to actually be able to continue to play the games and not um, you know, get caught up in testing and all that stuff. And uh, But the Thunder maintaining this presence in the city for 15 consecutive yeah. years in such a strong way. And I think um, there's no time that it's more emotional and just um, special than these holiday assists um, events. And I think to years past of... Um, kids, you know, getting this joyous celebration with players around the holidays, you know, grandparents who get this surprise gift that they weren't expecting when they haven't bought anything for themselves in years. Um, So I'm very, very excited to see what the Thunder continues to have up its sleeve. We've had the 12 days of of giving by the Thunder um, here leading up to Christmas. And um, we've got a couple more events here in store before uh, old St. Nick comes into town. It's so special. And the guys really enjoy yeah. doing this. I love seeing their faces whenever they go into these events and they get to, you know, meet kids face to face. And, you know, for the rookies, this is their first time getting a yeah. chance to do Well, realistically, for majority of the guys on this roster, this is their first time getting a chance to really be out in the community face to face and connect. Because you have to think the last two seasons were hampered by the pandemic. So there wasn't a ton of face to face interaction. And so it's so cool to see these guys be able to meet, high five, Mm -hmm. shake hands, fist bump, you name it. Just have a really good time and and meet these folks face to face. Yeah, just impacting the people here in the community, the kids, the next generation of, you know, people who are going to be dreaming about being the next Lindy Waters, who's a hometown kid who gets to grow up and play for your team. I mean, it's just really special. And I I feel very privileged that you and I get to go kind of be flies on the wall and tag along to some of these events because, um, it sure, uh, it'll warm your heart um, Mm -hmm. when it's getting cold out there. (laughs) It is certainly the most wonderful time of the year for more reasons than one. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later. All right, we got to go to practice. Yeah, yeah, bye. (laughs)